Hello, and welcome to We Blame Our Shelves, a podcast where two librarians discuss movies, games, books, you know, anything you can find on your shelf. I secretly judge you if you include picture books in your reading challenge goals. James Pugh, librarian in training, and I am joined by... I'm Dan Major, and my 2023 New Year's resolution is to read less books. Really? Yes. Why? Because in 2022, I keep track on my Goodreads. Yep. I read 72 books what? last year, and it it needs to be a quality over quantity thing, because it's... looking back, I'm like, I barely remember a lot of these. What? And so I need to focus on books I want to read and not... I mean, a lot of them are audiobooks, so it's like ambient, right. you know, like right. reading time is is also driving and cooking yeah. and cleaning. Um, but I was I was going through like way more than a book a week, and that's I insane. feel like that's too many to for me to absorb and appreciate them. So I want to read a little bit less this year. I read thirty eight books, and I was going to read thirty or fifty. I'm but you read fifty. You're also. But in, I'm also in school. In school, yeah. And, yeah. and I was just disappointed in myself. But I, thinking mm-hmm. about it, you're right. That's a book a week, roughly. Ooh. And I really don't remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I can tell you why I like the book, but if you were to tell me. Like, oh, yeah, what was your favorite part of the book? I'd be like, mm, <laughs> the part where the guy did the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I'm, I'm going to try to absorb what I read a little bit more and not just do it. As, you know, I'll put music on in the background. I'll put a good podcast <laughs> on in the background. But I want to, like, focus more on the books that I'm reading. That's fair. That's fair. So speaking of last year's reading goal... 72. What was your goal, by the way? Did you beat it? My goal is normally 52 because okay. I try to do, you know, a book a week or so. Okay. Um, And I was I was running behind in like April. And so I feel like in May I, I got like way ahead of my goal. <laughs> and then I, I finished my 52 by like September. Wow. So the rest of the year I was like, uh, well, you know. Dang. That's insane. That's insane. What yeah, was it was a lot. But I I I think that kind of segues great into this week's this month's topic which is uh a retrospective look at 2022 and a what's the opposite of a perspective I guess on on 2020 prospective prospective yeah we're going to talk about two years last year <laughs> and this year I just picture an old-timey prospector coming up like 2023 yeah coming out of the woods um so yeah let's talk about our favorite books Okay. Fiction, nonfiction. What yeah. was yours? Um, so my favorite um, fiction book of the year was The It Girl by Lucy Foley. That's the lady that writes all those murder mysteries, right? Yes. Like uh, the, the dinner party or the, no, the hunting party. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, which I also read the hunting party recently, too. Um, and she, Lucy Foley, um, The It Girl in particular like she always writes books that are like, oh, a bunch of rich British people <laughs> go to a secluded resort town and bad things happen. Let's all remember the crappy things we did to each other in college. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that's that's what the It Girl really is. It kind of starts um, in present day and this group of friends find out that the convicted murderer of one of their friends from college oh has died in prison. Okay. Um, and that leads the main character to be like, you know, I f- 
like <laughs> something didn't add up when this guy was convicted. I think there's more to the story. And everyone else is like, stop digging. Like, <laughs> let it let it go. It was a long time ago. Um, and some crazy stuff happens, and it's really enjoyable. Hmm. And it falls into like the dark academia sub genre. Yes, you mentioned which it. I am. Yep. A, obsessed That's like one of your with, favorite so. ones. Yeah, I mean, they they all went to. Um, all I can think of is Princeton now, and Princeton is U.S. I was going to uh, say Cambridge. I was going to say Cambridge or Oxford. Yeah, they all went to Cambridge, hmm. um, and a lot of it takes place on the Cambridge campus. So. I was like hooked immediately. <laughs> what about you? Favorite um, fiction? Well, I didn't get it till very late in the year, but it was a uh, fairy tale by Stephen oh, King. Oh yeah, yeah. That was really popular, and I was on the wait list for months. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me, but the the book was actually really good. I also consume most of my books through audio. I have like a half hour commute, and that's just the perfect way to do yeah. it with school and reading all of the time for school. Leisurely reading is not a thing for me. Exactly. Right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I listened to it and it was actually really good because it's classic Stephen King, right? So yeah. you have like the first half of the book that takes place in the normal, like everything's normal, everything's great, and then not great, but <laughs> everything's real life. And then it goes into the fantasy and it goes into the um the the this this new world and it it follows Joseph Campbell's like hero's journey mm-hmm. um so it's it's very formulaic that way but again it's classic yeah. Stephen King he well, went back to the old ways of of um like I mean it really s- invest you into this character yeah and then throw him into this situation that is totally unrealistic it was it struck me as like Stand by Me crossed with Alice in Wonderland kind of oh that's a good one yeah. like it's it's really strange and actually I read another Stephen King short story collection that was really depressing oh. it was called um <laughs> it was called If It Bleeds um oh. and it was all short stories yeah. about death yeah um and the short story that this is based off of um it kind of went in a different direction um, than it did in the book, but the two main characters, the older guy and the main character, yeah, yeah. Um, are the main characters in this short story. And like he goes to the older guy's house to help him out after an injury. Yeah. Um, and the short story goes like totally different, more traditional, like Stephen King horror direction, sort of. He, he, there's elements of their of that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, however, but it's definitely fantasy. It's, it's definitely stuff. more fantasy, yeah. and and just some of the things that they get thrown into you're like oh wow that's that's Stephen King there he is yeah <laughs> but um but no I thought it was really enjoyable um just because it was fun to turn my brain off and just enjoy mm-hmm. a good story I I do yeah. hope they make it into a movie because that, yeah. that or, is ripe for the picking that's an easy movie to, <laughs> to make no I was gonna say not so much a movie but maybe a, a series limited, like a limited series, series yeah whatever they're calling them now. it is it was a hefty book too that was, <laughs> was a, that was yes, a long was. book um what about your nonfiction title I actually just finished this one recently, and my book club is discussing it in February, Um, but it was The River of the Gods by Candace Mm. Millard, Uh, and it is about uh, the explorers who were trying to find the source of the Nile, Mm. Um, and it's kind of a a different look. It's not quite as about what they did every step of the way. It was almost like biographical about these two guys and like how how dysfunctional their relationship was and you know one claimed he found the source the other claimed that the other guy didn't find it and it was still out there 
and they hated each other, and the British public was trying to decide, you know, who they liked more. Wow. Um, and who they believed. And then there was um, a an African guide who is really the person who did all all the work. In of course. It. And yeah. he gets no credit, so they jump into his story a lot more, and, you know, he gets... Um, more biographical information and more credit for, you know, he led this expedition and there's lots of like crazy yeah. adventure stories in it. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it is almost about like the politics of, of Victorian British exploration and stuff. That sounds about right. Um, this wasn't published last year, but there's a, actually I, I read several things about it, but it it's fascinating. This reminds me of back in like the late 1800s or mid to late 1800s in the United States, all the dinosaur bones that we think we like know of, like that were discovered during that time, are mm-hmm. completely false. Not hmm. really, not really. <laughs> but it's it's I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially two paleontologists were in a battle, like who could find more dinosaur bones, yeah. who could do this. They were planting bones at sites. <laughs> they were like trying to, you know, I'm the I'm the one who's lit. And there was kind of like the same thing as the, the British. In your yeah, story, like yeah. the the public was like, well, who do we trust? Who do we believe? Mm-hmm. And um, Michael Crichton wrote a book about it called Dragon Bones. Interesting. And so um, it that's that's a, a, a fictional retelling of the story, but mm-hmm. but I that that story fascinates me, and so I might I might yeah. check this one out if because that sounds right up my alley. Like two <laughs> two scientists going at it. Like no, I'm the, I'm the right one. I'm the one who's correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were they were both like very different personalities um so it was interesting to see the back and forth and like how they how they handled the attention and both of them were like complete train wrecks yeah um so yeah. it was a, like it would make a good reality tv show <laughs> it's like tesla and edison before tesla yeah, and edison yeah. yeah what about your nonfiction? i read textbooks dan I could go on. Textbooks are nonfiction. I could go on about like the principles of library science. Yeah. Uh, some business and management. That's okay. Stuff, but we don't <laughs> want to bore people. We we really don't. Yeah. We we talk about libraries enough. I think already. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Uh, How about um, TV or movies for you then? What was your favorite of this last year? Well, I, I was actually surprised by this movie. Um, it's called See How They Run. And it's it stars Sam Rockwell. I can never pronounce her name right. She is Irish. Charisse, right? Roynan? Uh Sersha. Sersha. Mm-hmm. See, I'm so sorry. Um, but it's a whodunit, and it's uh, basically um, there's a play that is being a production going on that is an Agatha Christie story, mm-hmm. and then the actual murder takes place, and then the detective comes in, and it's it's your it's a formulaic whodunit. Mm-hmm. But the way that they do it is actually there's very knife knives out esque. Okay, so there's a, there's a lot of comedy. There's um, a lot of like that twists and turns. That. Yeah, but it, it's it's um, era appropriate. It's not like modern day. It's like back in I want to say the 1930s or 40s. Okay, and the big thing is is uh, the play is about to become a movie. So the director of the movie. I'm, it's not technically a spoiler because it happens at the beginning, and he even. <laughs> describes it so but that you they're trying to solve that murder mm-hmm. so and i thought it was really well done and the characters were really likable and it was just an entertaining movie and uh it, it wasn't a marvel movie <laughs> yeah. it wasn't it wasn't the, the big blockbuster yeah well 
popcorn and I shoveling. It's yeah. it seems like any there's only so many big budget movie studios out there when 80% of the budget in Hollywood is going to Marvel movies, yes. like them or not, I feel like the rest of the movie industry suffers because there's all these different cool, unique yes. movies that could be coming out, but they're like, let's just toss it all into Marvel because it makes us money. We're going to make five Avatar movies. <laughs> yeah, why, why not? Why not? <laughs> we'll tell the same story five times, but we'll just have a different aspect of the... Yeah. <laughs> It's it's a business. It's not about. However, speaking of big big studios, um, mm-hmm. one of my favorite TV shows of the year was Andor. That uh, okay. that Star yeah. Wars mo- show on on um, Disney Plus. That was a really good show because that was the first time I was watching it. I was like, oh, the Empire is this big bad boogeyman that we should all fear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they gave him some teeth finally. <laughs> like in all the other Star Wars movies, like the Empire's there, but they're yeah. so easily defeatable. Like the rebels well, always overcame. And like and... they the stormtroopers never hit yeah. anything when they shoot. Yeah. Whereas in this in this movie in this show, it it was just wow. I was like, okay. And and the character development was really good. Um I almost said Pedro Pascal, but that is not the actor's name. Shoot. And I didn't write it down. Cannot remember his name. The guy who plays Cassian Andor. If you know who plays Cassian Andor, get in the comments. Uh, <laughs> don't no, at me. Don't at me, because I can't remember. Um, anyway, uh, he was he was uh, really good in it. Um, and it was just a really good story. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, it's a good, like, rebellion story. A good, mm-hmm. like, uh, let's stand up and 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 rise above and all that. It was really good and lots of plot twists and turns. And so, um, again, I was like, okay, this is real. You can actually make a really good television story out of Star Wars. What about you? Um, since you mentioned that, I did really like Glass Onion. Yeah, that was good. I did really. Did Dune come out this year or last year? I don't remember. I don't I don't remember if it was 2021. I remember watching it in the winter. Um but the new Dune movie was really really good. Very very is, faithful. Is that Pedro Pascal in that one? He played no. the dad. Who is that? Actor? That's um Oscar Isaacs. Yes. Yeah. I like Oscar. He's he good. Would, he was in he was in one of the Star Wars. He movies. was in one. Of, yeah. Yeah. The, Maybe multiple. He was I in the la- he was I in the latest trilogy. He was in the yeah, latest yeah. trilogy. Yeah. I think he's he's a good actor. He is. Um but I wrote down here, I was kind of searching. I didn't have like a huge standout favorite, um, but The Legend of Vox Machina on- <laughs> That uh, is really good. <laughs> on, I think it was on Prime, Amazon Prime. Um, so Legend of Vox Machina is a fantasy show, high fantasy show, um, based off of an ongoing D&D campaign, Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons. Um, and God, what's what's the podcast even called? It's, um, it's not a podcast. Critical it's Role. Critical Role. Yeah, it's kind of a studio almost now. They started off on on YouTube, and they've just kind of grown into their own studio. Yeah, they have they, their own content creation. They yeah. they play Dungeons and Dragons yep. on video. Yep. Um, and this was an animated series based off of one of the story arcs in their Dungeons and Dragons game. And I thought it was and really good. Yeah, it was <laughs> funny. There was like serious moments. It was well animated. Um, it, it was fun. Um, and they have, I think they have like two more seasons ordered of oh, it okay. right now. So, and each season is going to be its own campaign. Yeah, right? I, yeah. I think there's like individual story arcs, but lots of recurring characters. Like I think it's the same central group. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was just a, a cool and neat story and I'm always and a big D&D and, and, nerd. And, so. and Vox Machina is a play on words, isn't it? Cause 
Aren't they voice actors? Aren't they all famous voice actors? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so. Um, anyway. I know at least two of them were voice actors, so I'm assuming all of them are. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're like, they're like, at first they were like mildly famous people yeah. playing yeah. D&D together. And now it's yeah. its own thing. And like people recognize them from critical role more so than their, their voice acting credits or whatever else they've been in. So. Right, right. Speaking of games. Yeah. <laughs> did you play any fun games last year? I did. I played... Um, I tend to like miss the boat on a lot of like new releases. Uh, so I've played a lot of stuff that came out before 2022. But Same. my favorite Same. 2022 release was called V Rising. Um, I got it on Steam for PC. Okay. Um, and it's basically like a combination. It's like a base building game. So you start out, you're a vampire. You just like are in this area. So you have to like build a shelter for yourself. And then you go out into the wild to farm for materials. Um, you have to drink blood from people, but some people also have special abilities. And so you gradually build up your base with more resources so that you can go and attack villagers <laughs> in other towns that are hunting down vampires. Um you, you was, had me at you had to drink people's blood. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's a game mechanic. Like up your low on energy, go yeah. drink some blood. Um and it was it was like a really cool, fun combination of like base building, role playing, and um, it's almost a little bit of a stealth game sometimes too. Right. And like the week that it released, um, it just got insane numbers. It was like the best selling Steam game like three wow. times over. And it was, I think it was like kind of a flash in the pan thing. Okay. I mean, it was a good game. It's they're coming out with some some expansions and stuff for it. Um, it hasn't hasn't quite held on to be like, is this going to be an ongoing series or what? Um, but it's you know over a million copies sold in like the first week or something. So I mean that is a significant success for them. Hmm. But recommended if you like PC games and it's kind of a gothic horror kind of thing. Gotcha. Fair enough. Um, the game I played was Don't Fail School. <laughs> that was yeah, game that's an I important game. That was a very. <laughs> I did a lot of papers. I did a lot of uh, presentations. That was my games. Mm-hmm. I um. I mean, I did like you. I played. <clears throat> excuse me. I did play some old games, but nothing from 2022. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So there are a couple different stories we wanted to talk about. Um. In retrospect, from 2022, about um. What. Uh, what's going on in the publishing industry with mm-hmm. books, what's going on with libraries. Mm-hmm. So the big story that I liked uh, from this year, um, it's kind of a couple things that tie in together, uh, but there was an article on theweek.com, um, and print book sales are up 9% over last year. Yeah. And they've been increasing since 2020, at least, when they took like a huge increase because everybody had nothing to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but book sales are at a 20-year high right now, like print book sales alone. Audiobooks and ebooks are even higher than that. Audiobooks were like 20% up year over year. Wow. Um, Audible has like 80% of the audiobook market. Um, but it's it's really good to see that the publishing industry, I don't know if you ask the people in the publishing industry if it's going <laughs> strong, but sales are good. <laughs> sales figures, raw sales figures are good. Um, 
And this article kind of analyzes why why this is happening, and part of it is is COVID related. Like people yeah. started reading over quarantine, and yeah. they are continuing to read. Um, and then Book Talk, which we talked about on our very first episode, our very first episode <laughs> is driving a lot of new readers because you know you scroll through it, and I yeah. mean, I guess I guess it knows I like books, but when I scroll through TikTok. I'm I'm not subscribed to any right. book talk channels right. or to that hashtag, but I get a lot of book talk hashtag things that just come through my feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that has driven resurgences of old books that people suddenly like again because they're popular on book talk, like uh, Colleen Hoover, like Colleen Hoover, <laughs> like Madeline Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is kind of causing a an issue with the publishing industry because there it's a book that's five years old that people yeah. have started to forget about and suddenly they need four million copies yeah. of it. So um but yeah, it's it's really good to see that reading is an enduring hobby for people and a priority. What about you? I was gonna say banned books. That was yeah, that was yeah. huge. Um because it started to permeate outside of, of libraries. Yeah. Like it, the the public started to get some really because there's banned books week in september and everybody's like yeah and and the public is like oh wow i didn't know that this was happening but this year last year 2022 i feel like that was yeah a lot uh, because um i think pen america who is a first amendment advocate they just go around reporting um issues with publishing and and uh, writing and mm-hmm. first amendment stuff they were saying there are over 2500 different titles yeah, and that is so much higher than the so previous much higher. year. They were challenged in both, you know, schools and li- and public libraries, not just mm-hmm. um, in one place. But twenty five hundred titles in one year. Yeah, and I think that um, I don't know what I think. I just had a total <laughs> brain fart, James. Jeez. Um, <laughs> well, I was gonna say, I think what the, are we talking the about? Big, okay. The big one. The big one was was the oh, come yeah. out of that was was Patmos Library in Jamestown, yeah. Michigan. That. A town in Michigan where it made national news because a, a whole library was defunded because the books they did the, the people didn't agree with the books that were in there and it's like wow so this is a little niche library thing yeah but from my understanding Michigan law requires every municipality to have a library or to have their their residents have access to a library correct so if the Patmos library is closing they will have to pay another library to become a joining member. Like Oakland Township pays the Rochester Hills Public Library to be a part of the library. Correct. Oakland Township does not have any seats on the library board. Correct. So now that if Patmos does close, they're going to have to join a neighboring library where they are going to have zero say right. in anything. Right. So they just kind of also shot themselves in the foot a little bit, but <laughs> they really obviously did. nobody's thinking about that. Um, but I, I, it's, I mean, it's still definitely yeah. a shame. Like they've crowdfunded a lot of money, but there were that some famous authors that donated. Yeah, yeah. Nora Roberts. She was one. Um, um, and, and they, they have an operating budget for this year. Right. But essentially after this year, it's, it's done. Right. So, but like you said, um, now they're going to have to pay their taxes are going to go towards another library that they won't have a board seat on. So right. what, in, in, in essence, unless they form a district library, then they'll have seats on the board. 
but if everywhere if, I've read, it sounds like the board's like, mm, no, we're done. Yeah, <laughs> we're exactly, out. <laughs> exactly. So it's just going to be paying to join another library where you have no control over the content whatsoever. Right. Um, so we'll see where that goes. But I, I agree. I remember what I was going to say. Oh. Like, I started seeing articles. I mean, we see it all the time because we work in libraries. Yeah, like, yeah. Not, not a week or two goes by when you don't hear an update about a certain case or another. But uh, when I started seeing it on CNN and yeah. MSN and New York Times about book banning, I'm like, okay. And again, because of the midterm election, it became a, a hot button thing. issue. Yeah. People were leveraging it for votes. It has started to die down quite a bit, but it is also yeah. still elevated compared right. to 2020, 2021. Right, um, right. It's always an issue. It was a huge issue for a short time. Now it's just a big issue instead maybe, of a maybe huge Maybe the wave issue. is starting to ebb. Exactly. So, And like we're, we're always aware of it and we're always engaged in it. Yeah. But the general public, I think, was kind of shocked to hear that it it is such an issue. Yeah. Yeah. And but to be to be fair, like you were saying, 2022 was a was an outlier because so many books were I think yeah. the in previous years like the the most was 2021 with like 1700 titles. And just for reference, <laughs> we do not advocate for banning or censoring of books. <laughs> we do not. Um but like you said, that was that that was twenty the end of twenty twenty two, so you know, and I and I do believe that it is starting to ebb. Like you will still see the challenges, but they probably won't oh, yeah. be nearly as well, bad as they. Like it's still going to be an ongoing problem for right. Patmos. It's still going to be an ongoing right. problem for Dearborn Public Schools, or was it the it was the public schools yeah. in Dearborn, yeah. right? That mm-hmm. had all the issues with it. Mm-hmm. So like it's not gone, but I'm not seeing it everywhere now i'm only seeing it in library circles again exactly. and once in a while i'll get an update from a, a vanilla source yeah yeah <laughs> um but i mean like that that's something to look forward to so <laughs> instead of it seeing seeing national news you'll see it just in the library circles exactly. again so so what else are you looking forward to in 2023 because yeah. that's that's the other half of this this uh podcast episode is we want to talk we, we looked back at 2022 what are we excited about for 2023 the book I'm looking forward to the most in 2023 uh, is called Quietly Hostile by Samantha Irby, who is okay. one of my favorite authors. She writes, she's like, I don't know what she is. She <laughs> writes sort of autobiographical humor, um, and she is like a very neurotic person. She lives in Michigan, actually, too. Okay, okay. Um, and... She's just got a really unique sense of humor and perspective on things. And it's it's all about, like, sh- she's also a Hollywood writer. Like, she wrote for Sex and the City. Um, she wrote for a couple other big shows. But she's like, I also live in rural Michigan, and sugar-free <laughs> candy gives me diarrhea. Like, those are the kinds of stories she's telling. She's like, oh, I'm going to, like, this Oscar gala, but, like... I'm bloated and <laughs> I like it's like the real version of yeah of a person like that and yeah. it, it just tickles me the right way. I've read all of her books up until now so I'm looking nice. forward to that. Um show or media in general right. um the new the second reboot of Futurama. Oh, so I cannot wait. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to it. I thought that was coming out in 2024. No, it is it is confirmed for this year now. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. They haven't said when it could be next week. It could be December. Right. Um, but yeah, we, I think we quote Futurama to each other <laughs> like every other day. So I know you're excited about oh, that at one least, too. At least. Yeah, that's on there. Um, I, I'm excited for The Last of Us that just aired. Yeah. So hopefully it's a good video game adaptation, something we've talked about here. From what I've heard so far. So far, yes. Yeah. So but we'll see. Although I did read one funny comment on it. They're like, it's not accurate to the video games because by this time in the game, I have died six times. And Joel is. <laughs> um, the, the book I'm looking forward to is called Monster, A Fan's Dilemma. And it's uh, by Claire Detterer. And she is tackling the, well, you really like this artist, but they have done horrible things. Oh, yeah. And what what that's something that interests me because um, she brings up um, Roman Polanski. She brings up uh, a couple of other like famous, yeah. famous people. J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling. And I was like, well, Bill Murray, who mm-hmm. used to be my hero, mm-hmm. all this stuff is coming out about. And I'm like, ooh. Uh. And in the back of my mind, I can justify Right, which I shouldn't, and that's what this book t- tackles. It's like even though these people are horrible, horrible people as human beings, we still try to find a way to justify why we like them. And I'm like, yeah, I would like to read this book just to see if 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 I'm a horrible person or not. <laughs> <laughs> and then the big one for us, because I yep. think this one. And then I'm also, of course, looking forward to Futurama, but the big one for us, because we both put this down here. We talked about it on we the way in. We talked about today. it on the way in. The video game, Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Yes. Or is it Tears of the Kingdom? Tears. Tears. Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> yeah. The, um, anytime a Zelda game comes out, I'm like, <gasps> yeah. anytime, anytime. Any, anytime it's a Zelda game, but also especially Breath of the Wild oh, that was... was so good. I don't want to say it was better, but it's like a different, new, refreshed yeah. style of yeah. Legend of Zelda game. And this is sort of a direct sequel to that one. Um, and I like that one so much Yeah, uh, that I'm really geeked. And they finally, didn't they push it back? It was supposed to come out like end of this year. And I think they pushed it back into mid next, or 2023. Sorry, it's, talking uh, like it's still 2022. Yeah, no, it's it's um, May now. May. May of this year, yeah. yeah. But that'll get pushed back. My guess is <laughs> my guess is holiday season. You know what? I'd That's rather I'd rather have them push it back and have it be polished exactly. than pull another Pokemon Scarlet and Violet <laughs> where it is a buggy game that barely functions <laughs> and they just need to get it to market before Christmas. Yep. Um give us something polished and quality, Nintendo, please. Please. <laughs> Uh, what kind of big stories or big um, things happening in libraries are you like keeping your ear to the ground on? Yeah, so this kind of ties into my story from 2022. Um, but I read an article on Book Riot um, that Barnes and Noble is actually expanding this year. Yeah, they're adding 30 new stores this year, which is unheard um, of. I know. Yeah. Like, I mean, after like B. Dalton's went away, Borders went away. Yeah, Barnes and Noble has been shrinking for quite a while. Um, and now they're adding new stores in better markets and they're kind of shifting, um, you know, yeah, book sales are up, um, but they're kind of capitalizing on the demand for space as well because people sit down, like I always used to go in high school, I would go to Borders and sit in the cafe and study for exams or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. So the demand for space to work really for adults now even, 
um, with so much work from home is up. So they're including, you know, a lot of WeWork laptop bays yeah. and yeah. charging docks and comfortable seatings for people that are going to hang out there for several hours rather than just coming in to buy a book. Yeah. Um, that's... I wonder I wonder if we're going to get any new Barnes and Noble in Michigan. Didn't I the one in so. Rochester, did they close? I thought or they were they still open. open? I, thought I don't really know of any around here that have closed. Me neither. Um, yeah. um, but I was going to say, I, I, when I worked at Barnes and Noble, um, yeah, we, we, our cafe was one of the largest, uh, yeah. because people would come in, buy a magazine, buy a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. sit down and read it. So yeah, that makes sense. That just invest in those those spaces. If we're if libraries are going to compete for space like oh, that, yeah. like a it's free to use the space at the library. I mean, chargers at Barnes & Noble are probably free, but they're still going to try to sell you stuff. If we want to compete, we need better coffee. <laughs> That's funny because a patron just came in this week and was like, when are you guys getting the coffee machine? And is it going to be the same? Because it's like, it'll be different. Don't worry. I, yeah, I we need a, a good coffee machine. It'll be a new coffee. <laughs> um, for me, my I, and, and, and I think this is interesting, is, is copyright. I think that's going to be okay. the big publishing one for, for moving forward mm-hmm. because AI is writing things. They're drawing things. AI is it's, it's such a new technology and we haven't really mastered it yet. So we're like we're still trying to figure it out and we're discovering the capabilities of it. Yeah. And it's just getting way too out of control too fast. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of artists are like actually suing. Um, I, I wrote it down. Stability AI, Mid Journey, Deviant Art. Because they're and they're using the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which is the one thing that was written yeah. twenty three years ago. Like this is how we're going to handle digital yeah. content, and also has a lot of influence over public libraries. Exactly, and so um, I, I'm interested to see how that goes because mm-hmm. I think a, uh, this year is going to set a lot of court precedences. Yeah, whoever throws the most money yeah. at it is going to control right AI credit. Exactly, so. exactly. <laughs> um, but and I also think just to kind of wrap up the the banned books, like you were saying, it is ebbing. But Texas is trying to pass a law where it's um, they're going to put age appropriate ratings on school library books, kind of like hmm. the kind of like the um, parental advisory as determined by exactly who like <laughs> is it a state board? Is it the school district? Is um, it the librarian? It, is it- that's not. That's not in the bill. It's just like we need age appropriate stickers on the. And I'm yeah. like, well, first of all, that's all been self regulated, mm-hmm. uh, industry regulated. Like they do it in comics, they do it for movies, they do it for. Mm-hmm. So the fact that a state thinks they can, well, and but, anything anyway. that discourages somebody from gathering right. some sort of experience or knowledge, you know, if if a sixteen and up, seventeen and up sticker on something stops somebody from reading something, like. I I see that as a fail. If, if a parent me. is concerned, the parent can be involved in that selection it, it, process. I, it didn't stop me. Like if yeah. anything, the the parental also, advisory sticker just told me what CDs I had to hide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> from my parents. And do you want the government <laughs> telling you what your kids should and shouldn't read? Because that is essentially, <laughs> I'm assuming Texas is an advocate of small government and everything. <laughs> But, you know, here you're handing a lot of power to, to the this, government, which right, yeah. some people think is a bad thing. So. I agree. So anyway. All right. Let's do some rapid fire. Let's do to some rapid up. fire. All right. So we're going to talk about uh, the most popular books at our library 
in 2022. So I pulled some circulation stats okay. uh, to see what has circulated. Okay. And this was after, again, another article I read about like best circulating items at like New York, Seattle, Chicago, some of the yeah, really saw, big library yeah, systems. Yeah, I saw those. I saw those. Um, and our, nothing on ours matches up with either <laughs> of them. These are all totally unique items. We're that are on Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So what do you think the most popular fiction book of the year is? Um, what was the big Colleen Hoover one? Uh, yeah. This might, we. It ends with us. It ends with us. Yeah. I would have expected that or I would have expected the Midnight Library. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, which was on every other list. Uh, but our most popular was The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna. Interesting. Which, in practice, what I see in people's hands very frequently and yeah. what I've seen on Hopeless yeah. and how many copies I've had to order, I would agree. I, I'm not surprised by that for our community. Um, how about TV show? This should be easy. I was going to say Yellowstone. It is Yellowstone. Um <laughs> Circulation on Yellowstone DVDs, um, and we do it differently than a lot yeah, of libraries. Yeah. A lot of libraries, you get a whole season at once. We, we get have one in, disc, one disc yeah. at a time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Yellowstone by like double. That's, whatever that's just the, the most second. popular TV show exactly. I think right now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then movie. <sighs> I had no clue on this one. When did the new Top Gun hit DVD? That was at some point this year. Oh, early 2023? I'm last year, sorry. <laughs> that was that was at some point in 2022, so that was a 2022 movie. Okay, so I'm going to guess later I'm going to guess Top Gun Maverick because that one was a big huge surprise. Yeah. Um it was actually Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay, that also makes sense. It was either that or going to be another Marvel movie. Yeah. Like, what's another Marvel well, movie that came out? Is Spider-Man Marvel? Spider-Man's Marvel, He's right? Sony Marvel. I don't know what that is. I don't know what yeah. <laughs> Sony owns the rights to Spider-Man, but Marvel gets to It was it. a superhero yeah. movie. Superhero so, movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not a surprise. And how about a young adult book? I have no idea. Um, is it, is it, uh... yeah, no, I got nothing. So I wasn't surprised that it was a Suzanne Collins books. Oh. Co- Collins book. She's back. Uh, who wrote uh, The Hunger Games, uh, okay. but it was The Ballad of Songbird and Snakes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And looking at, like, the top 10 circulation in teen, teen, actually, there's some staples in teen books that never change. Like, you'd think that would be the category where, like, the hottest thing goes to the top right away. No. Like, The Fault in Our Stars is still in the top 10 circulating books. How old is that book now? It's at least 10 years old. At least. At least. Um. And then just a lot of, uh, what's it called? A lot of the other Suzanne Collin books are still in there. So, teen, you know, every teenager in the last 10 years has, in Lake Orion, has read the same, like, 10 <laughs> books over and over. Um, but let's let's do some youth books. Okay. This is your area. Youth, youth. All right. What do you think our top circulating picture book was? Um, my guess is, like, the pigeon gets a cookie guy, or the pigeon goes on the bus. You're really or... close. It is Mo Willems. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's the duckling gets a cookie. The duckling gets a cookie. Ducky, okay, but yeah. that is a pigeon book. You're, yeah, you're, that it's is the, the right same series, yeah. same author. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those books. As as much as I know about youth pic- <laughs> picture books, yeah, I, I'd guess that one. Um, youth fiction, not a, a Harry Potter book. No, um, I think this was one of our Battle of the Books last year, so maybe that's oh, why. Yeah, that it but it's called it. Alone by Megan Freeman, and that's a book in verse, and it's actually really good. It's about a girl who is. Um, 
there's some kind of event that happens and she gets left alone in this town and it's how she survives alone. Mm-hmm. And it was actually really good. And I think the reason why it circulated so much was because that was one of our battle picks last year. Okay. So the battle is coming up pretty soon, right? Uh, that is uh, and February 25th. Okay. So yeah, yeah. not too long. Um, and then finally, video game. I would have to say, like, PUBG or something. <laughs> Do we have that? I thought that was strictly streaming. Yeah, that's probably a download-only <laughs> game. Um, I don't know. Pokemon Scarlet or Violet. Super Mario Maker 2. Which is also a, <laughs> a not a very old game, but that's like a couple f- years five, old. Yeah. four or five-year-old yeah. game, too, which... That that comes as a big surprise. Very big surprise. Which I I like that game a lot. Actually, I think it's a lot of fun. It's creative. Like you make your own Mario levels and yeah. stuff. It's it's a cool game. But honestly, I'm shocked. Like who who yeah. are these people that's checking this maybe, out? I want to talk to them about Mario or something. Maybe like, maybe practice speedrunners because I've seen a yeah, lot of yeah. speedrunners run. Oh yeah, fan made Mar- uh, Mario, Mario Maker. Maker races are like the best thing to watch. So maybe that's Twitch, what it is. Maybe so. kids are watching them on Switch and they want to make. Yeah, that's a maybe good. That's what it is. Good point. All right. Well, that's it. That's 2022 in a nutshell, and what we're looking forward to in 2023. It's going to be a good year. I, We're going to have this is our year. 12 new episodes of the podcast. <laughs> you know what? No, the big big story of 2022 is that hot new podcast from the <laughs> we, Orient Township Public we Library. We blame ourselves. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for listening. Um, join us next time as we discuss self-publishing and fan fiction. Be this will be one. really fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, we would like to thank Orion Neighborhood Television, ONTV, for providing the recording studios for We Blame Our Shelves. You can also find full episodes of We Blame Our Shelves at our website, orionlibrary.org. You have questions, comments, or would like to give us a topic to discuss, you can email us at podcast at orionlibrary.org. First person to make a comment that I have a scratchy throat and you can hear me cough all the time. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know where this came from. Um, and finally, you can check out everything for your shelf at your local library. Please support them by any means you are able. Um, join us next time. Until then, I'm James Pugh. And I'm Dan Major. And we'll see you. Bye. <laughs>